0: and all the different things that we do. Please follow me on Instagram, which is Terry underscore Blackburn underscore property. Or on YouTube, my page is Terry Blackburn Property. <laughs> me, myself, I've been from Rags to Riches, had nothing. Now I've built multiple businesses and over millions of pounds <laughs> of a multi-million pound portfolio of property up in the Northeast of England. I am by no means done yet. So please get in touch if you love the show. If you have any feedback for me, I'd really appreciate that. And I'm happy to help as many people as I possibly can. That's what this show is all about. So enjoy the episode, take care, have a fantastic day and don't just take notes, take action. Hi, and welcome to the Rags to Riches show with myself, Terry Blackburn. Now today's guest is one of the most experienced guests we've had to date. A guy called John Howard. To give you an idea, he's been investing in property around about forty years. In that time, he's been involved in either the sale or purchase of almost four thousand units. Um, he owns his own bond. He's got his own JV fund. He's been involved in various different property deals, from small, medium, large, up to think a recent development was around about one hundred and fifty units in Ipswich. Really experienced guy. Nosy stuff i'm sure there's loads of key learnings and lessons from the episode that you can take and apply to your own property journey so welcome to the show john
1: howard uh, thank you terry no pressure there then is there thank you very much for that build up um actually i think it's 43 years you know i can't believe it where's the time gone wow. Where has the time gone god definitely and um, you know i've made a few mistakes during that time but i've done i've done okay i could have done better like everyone but um you learn more from your mistakes terry than you do from your successes and that's what i think everyone needs to appreciate and everyone everyone in property will make mistakes you know you show me someone in property it doesn't make a mistake i'll show you a liar
0: (laughs) yeah yeah i I think you're right there but a lot of people don't really shout about or post about the, the things that go wrong right the, the only focus no it,
1: I, I find a, lo- a lot of people are a little bit like gamblers you know they only tell you when they win and i go and speak at these events and uh, it's something people, everyone is so nice you know um uh, it's so pleasant and so nice but you do come away thinking sometimes terry my god what have i done wrong this guy's made a million on this one and a half on that you know they only tell you the the, the truth uh, they're the, sorry not, probably not the truth uh, i i always take 50 percent of what people say if i don't know someone i always take 50 percent of what they say as probably about right and and i think that a lot of people go to these events and come back feeling very deflated because they've spoken to someone that's done this and done that well, they might have done, but I always say to them, look, take 50% of what someone says to you if you don't know them, and it's probably about right, you know.
0: Mm. Mm. I, I think that's good advice, you know, certainly from someone who's been around the block in property. I've found that from the network and I've done, and the people I speak up to online, you know, a lot of them are full of, um, yeah. yeah, we can swear on this podcast, full of shit. Yeah, so we're having yeah. the, They just see what we and then a lot of people mislead.
1: Yeah. and, and, and Terry, there are some that are genuinely have done that. You know, and, and I'm not saying there aren't, but I just think that it's very easy, especially as a newcomer to property, to be to be sucked in by uh, some people who who perhaps haven't done as much as they say they've done. And I think that's you just need to keep a level head about it all. And I think I think yeah. that's important.
0: Yeah, I think that's a, it's a great way to start the show. And I think it's a, a key learning point for a lot of the listeners straight away there. Um, thanks, John. So what we we'll would like to talk about, John, on the show is your career so far broken down into, into three parts. The start being just how you got into property, how it yep. all came about. The middle, which is the exciting part, the growth part, which is what everyone likes to hear about. How you've went from zero units to four thousand over this time. Um, some key learnings and lessons throughout that period as well. And then just the last part is the current, which is what your attention is on right now, what you're looking at going forward. You did mention just before press record that you're definitely not done yet, um, and you're still actively buying, which I love. Um, so maybe just a little, little, bit about the current and what you thought. Yeah,
1: sure. On. Okay. Shall so we start? Start, start it, at with
0: the start. Share just, yeah. just how you got into it. Yeah, be great.
1: Okay. So I was—I've been fortunate, you know. And sometimes you're better to be lucky than you are good. If you get—is that the right word? I think it's someone said that. So my father was a was a greengrocer in Felixstowe, small town in Suffolk, mm-hmm. and I was very fortunate that um, when he was when he was sixty odd. Um, he decided he wanted to be an estate agent in the same town as he's a greengrocer. Now, the problem with that is people know you small town. People know he's a greengrocer, not as an estate agent. So what do you know about valuing houses? So it's a bit of a problem, to be honest with you. It was a bit of a problem. But he bought a very small little business um didn't need the money to be fair um led a pretty modest life didn't need didn't need to make a lot of money at this date agency but something he's always wanted to do so he bought this date agency i was at school 10 12 years old and in the holidays i used to hold the tape because in those days you had a tape you know when you went around someone's house to to measure up you you know you had a you had a yeah yeah exactly it was a tape you needed two people in other words so i used to go and help him he was a one-man band really And um, he didn't do very well at it. To be fair, he wasn't a great estate agent, Um, nice man, good businessman. um, I would describe him as. And of course, when you sit around the the kitchen dining room table at lunchtime in those days, people used to go home for lunch, by the way. So when I started, I eventually started work with him when I was 17 um, and uh, properly. And uh, you, you'd walk home for lunch. You know, that's what people, the office was closed. You walk home for lunch. That's how bloody old I am, to be fair. Anyway, so um, I joined him when I was 17. He'd been ill in hospital and the business, there was really no business because he'd almost closed it because it was he was in hospital. He came out of hospital. I joined him when he was 17, when I was 17, so I could learn to drive. <clears throat> I soon realised after a few weeks that, hey, this, prop, this is all right, selling a property and getting for someone else and getting a bit of commission, but you what know, why aren't we buying and selling them ourselves? It was a natural, for me, it was a natural thing. Mm. He went back into hospital after four months. So I was left to run the business on my own, basically, with a lady called Mrs. Leader. Now, Mrs. Leader was a very nice, very bossy, very nice lady, but she used to give me spelling tests. she gave me a spelling test every morning because my spelling was so bad. I mean, what's that all about? And also, I used to stammer. so. I, I hated answering the phone, and I would never make a phone call. Not a good thing if you're an estate agent, to be fair. Not a great start, is it? Anyway, so I battled on through, keeping the business going until he came back out of hospital. Um, and then um, I managed to save a little bit of money. Um, uh, and my mother, bless her heart, who's still alive, 95, she's still going. Um, she um, lent me a little bit of money, and I managed to buy, and I borrowed some money from the bank. So on my 18th birthday. I've managed to buy two flats, and uh, in a building, I bought them off a, a developer who we used to deal with. And it was the rump end of a deal; he just wanted to get rid of the last two. And in those days, um, well, not so much now. There aren't many what they call sitting tenants. With sitting tenants, you'd pay fifty percent of the open market value because you couldn't get them out; they were there on a on a low rent. But I managed to. Um, sell one of the flats to the tenant for 75 percent of the open market price i bought it for 50 sold it for 75 that way i wasn't in for much on the on the on the other one which i then sold sold on later on and then moved on and bought another property and what i would say if you're going to borrow any money or family especially always do it on a business basis so always do it on a professional basis so that um if you've got any siblings, they don't get the hump about you borrowing the money cheap off your mum, dad or whoever it might be. If you're in a fortune, I was in a fortunate position that, you know, they lent me a small amount of money. My dad wouldn't because he didn't want me to lose the money, funnily enough. But my mum did. And then with, with the profit my mother made, she 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 bought herself a new kitchen because my dad was too tight to buy one for her. So everyone was a winner. <laughs> tell you, everyone was a winner and of course if you if you get the money back to people at a good interest rate and a bit of share of the profit guess what she wants to lend the money again the <laughs> so day. we did it a few times so i was very fortunate that i had that start in life and and not everyone has that and i admire people that have no start in life whatsoever in no help and do well and, and and being and being successful is relative to where you start from i think sometimes in your background and i was fortunate to have that background, I, I don't deny that. Um, so,
0: just to jump I've got in to, a general thing: what was it yeah. about property? So, buying properties at eighteen isn't, you know, the norm. A lot of people are, not a lot of people are too busy getting drunk. Well,
1: to be yeah, to be honest with you, Terry, I was a bit worried because I was academically, I was useless. Mm. Um, I wasn't uh, at sport. I was quite a good sportsman at school, so I was. Although I stammered and and all the rest of it, I, I you know that helped. Um, but actually, I was a bit worried because what the hell was I going to do? Because I wasn't very bright. I didn't have any real qualifications at all. I came out of school with a couple of O-levels or something. Uh, and I worked very hard for that, by the way. So it wasn't as if I was being lazy. So I had to do something. And I think, you know, what you've got to remember, a lot of, the, a lot of entrepreneurs and people, um, not just properly, but other people, sometimes they have, they have, they're not that um, academic sometimes but they have a different ability. And I think it's, you know, they, they, you know, they say you're slow, slow, um, slow at developing something, don't they? But, um, so, so I got to, so, um, when I was, um, a year later, my father still wasn't well, so he decided to sell the business to someone. So he sold the business for peanuts, really. The guy then said, would I stay on as a manager? Um, I said I would, um, so I thought that's handy. Then I thought, well, actually, if he wants me as a manager, I should try and buy it myself, really. So the deal, the deal fell through. So then I, I bought it then off my father, um, who didn't want to sell it to me because he didn't want me to fail, bless his heart. But so I bought it, changed the name, trebled the turnover, um, made it a lot better, uh, came up some modern ideas like you know. Um, We made it like a self-service and you walk in and you can just pick the details up because in those days everyone had a a filing cabinet and it was like a big secret whose house was on the market i did okay i didn't do brilliantly but i kept buying and dealing and um and i sold the business when i was 24 um, um to 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 my manager i bought a manager in who had a bit of money always handy and his father had a bit of money and i managed to persuade him to buy the business so that's handy so when i was 24 my, i had a big break really because although i was doing okay you need a backer sometimes you you know you need if you want to push on you need to 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 find money really and i i met a guy called robert boyce and robert boyce was um he was a a poultry farmer but he's also a, a, a real a true entrepreneur um and um we got together and um he was in his 50s, um, very wealthy. In fact, I still deal with his family now. His, his son, Andrew, I still deal with him now, which is lovely. 35, 40, 35 yeah. years later, which is nice. Um, and we still do deals together. Um, and he backed me and we started doing some bigger deals. Um, and we did a tower block in Ipswich of 73 flats. We bought it. It was existing tower block with sitting tenants in. We worked the tenants, got them out, sold it. And we made... Um, and this is going back 1986. We made 987 thousand after interest on that deal. So wow. that was that was obviously is that, good. Is, is that at yeah. age
0: 24, John? Is that right?
1: Yeah, 25 by then probably 25. And then we moved, and so then wow. then we moved on to to to, to bigger de- you know, to do other other deals like that around the country and so on. And and you know, I I I did very well between the age of 20 and 30. Um, and then the property possession came when I was 30 another property recession came and you know everyone struggled a bit um you know i bought a big country house with 80 acres and uh, all the rest of it when i was 26 27 um but (laughs) by the time i was 30 i needed to readdress that situation shall we say um and actually i I sold it i moved where i am now so i've been where i'm now over 30 years or 30 years uh which is nice you know i've got a nice country house with you know all, all the trappings if you like but it's not as big as the one I had before well, um when ridiculous. I was 30 so that's a bit but anyway I haven't bothered yeah. moving again it's, it's very nice and comfortable so I'm not I'm not complaining yeah. at all so um yeah, yeah. yeah so when so when I was so the property recession uh, early 90s really tough time uh, for everyone we survived it mainly because we spread my I spread my my, my properties throughout the UK really Mm-hmm. so we was, and obviously coming out of recession is a fantastic time because that's when you make really make the money so if you've got some money left or you can get hold of money coming out of a property recession you can make some serious money and i did okay um in fact I've, we've always done better out when there's some turbulence and blood on the street if you like terry than, than at any other time yeah. so you know when things are really hot when things are when it's too easy there's too many people doing it um and they work on too smaller margins and that's the problem we've had in the last few years really is i I'm, I'm far better um as a developer investor when things are tough because i know hopefully know what to do to get out of trouble quicker and easier than perhaps other people and pick up bargains um along the way so um i'm better um in in a, in a tough market than i am in, in the market we've currently got or had i think it's going to get time terry it's going to get yeah,
0: I, I, I was just going to jump in and see the, the yeah. current market that we're in is a lot of, you know it is hot it is hard to find below market yeah. value stuff. So how are you finding this in comparison to any other tough or, or hot times you in your curiosity. well I,
1: I think the one thing terry uh, i have to say is that of course there's thousands and thousands of people who want who are in the property market now and want to get in it and that's the difference to when i started you know you go to a dinner party and you said you're a property developer and it was quite unusual you know yeah. oh now you go to the dinner party and, and everybody's telling you how well they're doing property yeah. and uh and my wife says don't please don't say you're a property developer I said, <laughs> well, what, you know, what do you want me to <laughs> call?
0: Yeah. He said, yes.
1: He said, because everyone will just start talking to you and telling you how how well they're doing and how many properties yeah. they've gotten, which is which is what happens. <laughs> yeah, happens. They don't want any advice because they know everything. Of course, they just they're all experts. Um, but uh, no, so it's um, it has changed. That you know the the competition is vast now. It's huge, and we end up doing more sophisticated deals the ones that perhaps other people can't do or not many people can do, because to make the same margins as we made 20, 30 years ago, it's very difficult. The margins, you know, what people are willing to do the deal for is, and profit-wise has come right down compared to where it used to be. And that's that's difficult. And there's thousands of banks now, of course, Terry, willing to lend, which there wasn't in the old days. You know, you couldn't lend, you couldn't go and, you know, and there must be, what, 1,000, 2,000 small property banks in the UK lending, yeah, I'd it. imagine. Um, and in my day, you'd had the clearers, you know, the NatWest, Barclays, all those, and that was about it. Yeah.
0: Mm, it's interesting you say that. Um, and is there any sort of emerging strategies or anything in particular that you're focusing on? Um, I know you mentioned that the more complicated deals. Um, is there anything in particular that you're focusing on at the moment, John, or is it a bit of everything? Or
1: Well, Terry, one thing I'd say to you is there's nothing new in property. All these so called strategies that these educators come uh-huh. up with, you know, <laughs> there's nothing new. We've been yeah. doing it, I've been doing it for the last 40 odd years, and people have been <laughs> doing it 100 years before then. And so's yeah. everyone else. And all my yeah, friends of yeah. my age go, What the hell's all this about? We've been doing that for, you know, so <laughs> it's all, it's all changed. You know, so there's nothing new. There's nothing new in property. But what I would say is you take the PD, you take permissive development on office to residential. We were early, we were in on that very early, like a lot of other um, developers. But you can only be in it for so long before everyone's, you know, Ranjan, my friend Ranjan's told bloody everybody what to do. <laughs> so yeah. what's happened is, you know, the market in, in the market now for PD, Office to Residential, is saturated with people who can afford to do it because it's quite a simple, you know, it's a good way of cutting your teeth in, in, in property development, to be honest with you. So what happens is, you know, no one knows about it much, so people like myself, Nicholas Warwick did very well and many other people did very well for the first few years with PD, um, you know, and now everyone's jumped in. So now we're onto something different. We do. You know, we, 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 we're constantly trying to find different deals, different things to do. I personally think commercial commercial um, property is in a property recession at the moment. So you've got the residential market that's hot as hell and you've got the commercial market, especially vacant commercial stock which is on its knees and I've just written a book at Christmas because I don't like Christmas much to be fair so I wrote a book on um, commercial property which no doubt comes out in a month or two but I'm also doing a seminar one of my seminars this year I'm doing um, my seminars is on commercial property because that that, that's a big a big angle that a lot of people haven't haven't um, um, appreciated in my view and I think that Um, i'm not saying it's quite often for very first time property investors commercial because it's harder to get funding and so on but once you've got some property then commercial there's massive opportunities not just commercial to residential but um retaining commercial commercial as well and and lots of different angles to it Mm. and i do i've done quite a lot of commercial you know over my career Mm -hmm. okay
0: that's an interesting one not many people are seeing that and um, like you say because online they're, they're focusing on the shiny penny stuff aren't they? and they're focusing on the good and nothing yeah. else Um, and yeah, no, thanks for that advice I think it, it, it's good for the listeners to hear that as well John Um, so started off a couple of units gradually and sold your business you got into business with someone who funded you then you started doing these huge yeah. deals I mean 900k in 1986 is equivalent to well, at least treble now, maybe like that. That's
1: yeah, that's probably. Cool. That's but but but, but you know is. what? But but what you do? But most people, of course, you know, you make the money, and 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 you've already, if you're ambitious, you already spent the money on the next deal. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> and you, so, so okay, you might take a small amount out, but you know, you've reinvested that True money about, in the yeah. next deal, or two more deals, or three more deals, if you're ambitious. Mm. And and you know, in those days, you know, because also, don't forget. You couldn't borrow the sort of levels you can these days, percentage-wise. So most banks would only lend you 50-50 in those days. Was it? Okay. um, 50%. So, you know, some might do 60, but that was really maximum. And they'd expect you to put money into the bill costs as well. Mm -hmm. But sometimes now you don't have to. So it has changed. It has changed dramatically.
0: Yeah. And then from that point... What was the strategy then? What did you then get into? I know you've mentioned commercial, but have you done pretty much everything? And is there any key? Yeah, well, well
1: what, we, what we did do, we went around the country buying tower blocks and refurbishing and selling to first-time buyers, because in those days, a lot of the local authorities had vacant tower blocks. They were going to blow up, which cost half a million pounds to blow up. But we would give, so we, they would give them to us or give them to, give us, or we'd paid them something for them, and make them and turn them into first-time buyer uh, properties. Um, you know, homes for first-time buyers. Um, so we did that, and then in the early nineties, the market crashed, um, and and I started doing a lot of listed buildings. So so office <laughs> here we go, um, offices to residential. So so a lot of solicitors' offices and, offices and. And things like that used to be in town centres, not so much now. And they used to be in, old, in older properties, um, which were originally houses. Um, and we put them back, so we just put them back into what they were before. Uh, so that was a good angle. And then other people jump on that a little bit and so on. And then we moved on to doing, you know, um, converting. Um, I, I counted the other day at one of my seminars, we counted how many different types of conversions I've done, and it was 15. Don't ask me to name them all now. But from, <laughs> yeah. from, from barns, piggeries, water towers, uh, hotels, um, maltings, buildings, poor, ha- you know, workhouses in the old days, they used yeah. to be called. Um, what else? I can't remember. Schools. Uh, anyway, church. I don't, yeah. We've done a chapel. We're doing, in fact, I've just bought the chapel at auction for £65,000, Terry. So, you know, when people say, Oh, you know, I can't get into auctions because you know that I can't buy anything cheap enough. There you go, sixty-five thousand pounds.
0: So you're not yeah. just. I quite like that when I was sort of researching you before we sort of got talking online. Um, I quite like that that you're still regularly doing the smallies. It's not just these huge multi-million pounds tower blocks like you say you're also yeah. doing the small yeah. stuff as well but, is
1: there any reason behind that or no well it's just fun really and and, and my stepdaughter now uh, tiffany's in the business so so that that's that to be fair that was one of her she she looks after she looks after the auction side so we buy a lot after the auctions so we try to and i've just arranged a couple of revol- revolving facilities with banks to buy um to buy um during but also after auction because i think the auction market is going to really come into its own. So, with auctions, auctions are a great barometer for the overall property market. So, when the auction market uh, starts to slow down, it goes from an average sale rate of say seventy-five percent down to fifty percent, then you know that the the the, the normal residential market is going to follow six and nine months later. And the other way around, when the when the auction market starts picking up, you know that the residential property market is going to follow. So. Um, i i think we're in for a bit of turbulence a bit of, and, and, and things are going to get tougher and i and so for us auctions are very important the last four deals i've bought have all been after the auctions so um yeah so we've you know so we've gone from so we we literally will look at most things so the last four what are the last four lots we've bought at auction um a couple of million quid on um 20 park finished houses in birmingham uh, a care home uh, in Essex to convert back into residential, a little chapel, um, and now we're in the process of buying. Um, it's taken me 43 years to buy a deal in Scotland. Um, I did try in the 90s but failed dismally. But I'm back, so I'm trying to buy. So we're buying a we're buying a, um, uh, um, a, a part of a housing estate that's that's gone bust um, up in Scotland at the moment. So that that'll be good fun. So. Um, like you said i'm not done yet really so um someone asked um who's the i'm just trying to think of his name the um actor um who what was it? Uh, eddie murphy someone asked eddie murphy a few years ago they said oh you know what have you been doing all these years you haven't had a hit record for a hit 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 film for ages yeah yeah and he said and he said i've been working and um you know pay he doesn't need to pay his mortgage does he i'm sure but you know pay, yeah. pay paying my pay paying the school fees paying the mortgage yeah. and that's a bit like property you know sometimes in as much that you can't always be doing high for high high profile deals you know oh. the deal we did uh two or three years ago which we're just selling the last few now in, in ipswich where i live um we bought a building that was um had been started so the skeleton had been built 18 stories high um and we, and we, uh, we spent twenty six million finishing it, and now we're selling them and all the rest of it. And we, you know, you can't do deals like that every week, and you probably don't want to. Uh, and having the spread and, and you know buying a chapel for sixty five thousand for me is is you know it's not one I've got to worry too much about, or anybody else would have to worry too much about. Probably to be fair, but you know it, there's good margin in. I look at the margin, not not the value, not not the price I'm paying. So I look at the I look at the I look at the profit level. So if I can buy a chapel and I can make a 40% return on it, great. You know, you can you could buy something for, you know, 30 million and lose money if you're not careful. So it, it's all about the deal. It's all about the profit level in that deal. And I'm not ashamed to buy a property for whatever, 30,000 if I had to, if it was a good deal, or one at potentially, you know, 15, 20 million, um, um if I could, if I could, if the margins are there, the margins are there. And and that's how I look at it. Um, and, and, you know, also, also the other way I look at it is that the chapel, um, the profit on the chapel might pay. You've got to look at it in terms of monetary value. You know, the chapel, um, the profit from the chapel, that's if it goes well. By the way, if, it, if it's a disaster, we, don't, we can't get planning on it, then it'll be back in an auction somewhere and <laughs> yeah. lose money yeah resell it but hopefully we'll get plenty for residential on it um mm. but i mean the profit from that will pay for you know might buy a new car or might buy so you know yeah. you've got to look at it like that as well it's it's mm. it's yeah, that, that's how i look at it anyway i don't look at it as i don't want to do something because it's too cheap i don't i don't look at like mm. that
0: no, i like that again i think that's great advice and um not getting too too carried away i think you know you could easily just focus on the huge deals that a lot of people can't even afford to get into because of the level that you're operating on. But, but you know, you're letting the numbers guide you. And if the, if it meets your criteria in terms of a profit margin, then you would go for it. I think that's a real, a uh, real good approach. And if, did you ever find yourself getting carried away as in you were getting on the, all these big deals and you thought, I'm not even going to look at those well, little ones or well, you always continue with the little I ones.
1: Have to I have to admit when I was 26 years old and I had a Bentley turbo with a driver, and a portion yeah. of Range Rover, I was probably getting myself to the point of being a bit of a prat. Um, I mean, I, I, can, I
0: think everyone can relate to that. If you were making nine hundred grand, yeah, <laughs> but, but you got
1: to but, do it. But I, I, did pull myself back from that situation a little bit. And, and the fact, in fact, in fact, buying, I got involved and I bought um, a, a share in Cambridge United, and we talked about that earlier. Off, yeah, off, yeah. Off. Um, and I, I spent fifteen. I spent 18 years at Cambridge United as a director and shareholder, and 15 great years. You know, we we were we were very close. There's four of us that owned the club between us, and it was a ama- it was an amazing time. And of course, I was very you know, I'd get off the team I'd get off the team coach at, at a stadium somewhere, um, and uh, they'd want my autograph, and I had to explain to them that I wasn't a player. You know, that you don't want my autograph. I'm not a player because I was the same age, so younger than some of the players. But there we go. So good times, good times. But I mean, I think the answer is <clears throat> you need to be humble and keep your feet on the ground. And 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 you know, you, everyone's lost money in property. Have been at it a long time, and that and that's a very humbling experience in, in any case. But I mean, I just think that you know, um, and and there's a really good saying: "and Money shouts, wealth whispers." And I think, I think um, you look at some of the most most successful people they don't go shouting about what they've got. They don't, they don't you don't, you don't see them um, sitting in their Ferrari on, on LinkedIn or something, do you? You know, they don't do it. And um, and I, I learned from an early age, it, it doesn't, it, people don't, people don't um, like it, you know, people, what, you know, why do it? It's, 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 it's not my style these days, put it like that, put it like that.
0: Yeah, I think that, I've just wrote that down. Money, shouts, wealth, wisp. I love that. Never heard that before. Um, thanks for sharing. Um, just out of nice interest, if you, um, have you got a sporting back? I know you said you were good at sports when you were younger, but like to buy mm-hmm. Cambridge United, do you support them? Are you a big footy fan? or
1: every? Yeah, so every, every, so every football director is a frustrated footballer. That's what they say. A footballer that wasn't good enough and that's absolutely right we all were and yeah. the one thing you learn with uh, early on as a, as a director of a football club is that most business sense goes out the window but apart from that is that you you back them or you sack them so we had a david rushton was our chairman at Cambridge for a little while nice old boy and he said john you back them or you sack him." so you back the manager until you decide the day that day he has to be sacked and and we've sacked. I think I sacked about ten managers in the end. Um, it's very it's a tricky old game. It and, and all, you, yeah, it is. It's cutthroat. It's cutthroat. Cut but I've never worried about. Um, I'm always I always think people tend to appreciate if you're going if you're going to, you're going to fallout, fall out with not. I try not to fall out of anyone. But you're better off just to be honest and say, look, I'm sorry. It's not working out. Uh, we're best to go our separate ways than you are to to continue to try and work with someone that isn't. Um, you know isn't capable or or or, or yeah. you just don't get or just for whatever reason you can't get on with and, and, I, and you know and i think i think people appreciate the honesty sometimes um rather than go for the painful painful experience of you know weeks and weeks of torture mm. which is what yeah. happens and the delta the ultimate and, the, and 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 the outcomes are safe mm.
0: <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I completely agree. Sometimes having the wrong people in the wrong positions, the cancer on. And certainly, in my business, you know, I've had people like that in the past. But as soon as you cut them out or you remove them, the yeah. business flourishes, and you, you don't yeah. actually. Yeah. and other people around you go,
1: "Oh, well, that's well, that's much better now." Well, why didn't you tell me that earlier? But what the, <laughs> yeah. the one thing I've the one a, a bit of advice I always give people is that, <clears throat> you know, when you're talking about getting um consultants in when you have to get consultants in for bigger projects and so on is oh. always surround yourself with the best people you can find and the best people you can afford because the best people only cost a little bit more than an average person and actually pick the best uh, it will make you look a lot better apart from anything else and, and some people are always concerned always you know they're going to be look better than me well I hope the people I, I work with are better than me because you know the only difference between them and me they're brighter, they're, brighter, they're brighter than I am. They're more educated than I am. Uh, and they're specialists in their field. The one thing they don't have is balls quite often to do it themselves. They'll, they'll, be, they'll be handsomely paid for the advice they give you, but they don't want to do it themselves. You're the captain of the ship. You make that ultimate decision. They can't do what you do. They can't do what you do, but they can support you and advise you. And that's what it's about.
0: Really, Something, batteries just went low. And I thought my charger was plugged in. John, I'm really sorry. One second, don't worry. Sorry, mate. That's all right. You can tell right. this is tell this isn't scripted. <laughs> um, there you go. Sorry, mate. Um, well, let me charger <laughs> is plugged in, but anyway, um, yeah, I think what I was going to ask on that is there anything that you learned from experience at cambridge running an organization like that a football club that helped you with property or um yeah benefited you in any way as in managing all them people (coughs) or that type of environment yeah i
1: think the great the great thing about uh, the great thing about a football club and about being a directors having directors on a you know being a board of directors is that you know property is very insular and all my friends Really, most of my friends over the years have been property related are property related. You know, because we work together, or they are other property dealers, or they're this or that, all in property. So when you're thrown into a situation with you know four other board members, quite often or five, mm. all from different backgrounds, it gives you a really different angle about life in general. It's not all about property. You know, there's people made money in, in all sorts of different, um, all sorts of different areas um and 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 it's interesting to learn from those people and how they've done it uh because it obviously it's a totally different business to the one you're in and football of course is even even just a a complete mad business all all on all on its own and i've met some through the football you know i've met some fascinating people when you go to you know other clubs and you know successful successful people over the years and some who you kept in touch with i sat next to Yuri Bre- geller um, oh, yeah. he was involved in exeter for a little while <clears Yeah. coughs> excuse me and um he sat down at the dinner table uh, before before the match and he said i suppose you want me to do this and i sat next to him and he just bent a spoon <laughs> <Just> <laughs> saying, well. i didn't actually boring, ask dick. you to do it but it was quite <laughs> impressive so yeah. you know, there's lots of stories. I've got loads and loads of stories, yeah, the experiences, also. yeah, definitely, people who I've met over the years, as most people have, I suppose, most people have met. A lot of people have met. But, mm-hmm. um, Robert Maxwell was a bit scary, I have to say. He was at Oxford yeah. United. He took over the o- Oxford United for a little while, and he was he was he was scary, mm. scary, yeah, um, very unpleasant. Didn't say didn't say a lot to anyone, and what he did say wasn't very pleasant. <laughs> yeah. I, I always think there's no need to be like that whoever you are nah. you're ever successful and he lost everything in the end didn't he but i mean whoever <laughs> you are i just think i just think you need to treat everyone the same as i always said to my stepchildren when they were little you know whether it's Ronnie the gardener outside or whether it's you know somebody somebody you treat them the same you say good morning yeah. to them it doesn't matter who they are, uh, what level uh, or you perceive level they are. They're all on the same level. And you treat them all the same. And I think, like to I think that's then. really important. Really important. Mm, yeah,
0: definitely. No, I love that. Love that. So we talked about some of the highlights. Um, what's your attention on right now, John? I know you've mentioned you're still actively buying. Anything else your attention is on right now? In terms yeah, of so
1: opinion? so so really, what happened was uh, Terry about four, five, four years ago, I got a bit fed up with all the advice people. I kept giving everyone advice for free uh, over the years. You know, people bring like, "Old oh, John, I'm thinking of doing this. What do you think?" And I thought, "I think I write a book." So I wrote this book, um, uh, my first book on um, um, on just g- generally on advice on um, property um property developing investing and um i i I didn't know what i was doing i just put it on i just put it on amazon and um and then people started talking to me about it and then i then property tv contacted me and said would i like to go on there so i did a bit on there and then they said oh you need to go on these um you need to do do these landlord shows and stuff so i didn't really what i was selling but it's good fun meet a few different people so i did that and then oh, you've got to speak. When you're there, you need to speak. So then I spoke, and that seemed to go down okay. And and it's just snowballed. So I've had a re- you know from from getting to the age where I could be I could be retiring, I'm 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 actually doing more now than ever. And um uh, so I've got a couple of TV shows that I'm involved in: Property Elevator, which is a fourth series starts soon, um, and another one called Property Graduate, where. Um, I, the, the winner, um, the winner of the property graduate gets the opportunity um, to go out and buy a property of up to a million pounds that I, I fund. And then we share the profit 50 50. So we've done the first year of the graduate, and um, Alfie Croft won it. And Alfie, I'm delighted to say, came and joined me uh, in my business because he was that talented. Um, that wasn't part of the prize but um, that's a bonus if you like for him, I yeah. like to think of a bonus anyway for him, he might think different to that yeah. but, um, and, and he's, he's desperately seeking a deal that we can do together because that's part of the prize he won, so, yeah. uh, and we've got the next series of that starting in May um, um, so, so I've, got, I've got Helen and Fiona um, and my two um, very able um ladies who helped me on that show. So it's a little bit it's a bit bit like the uh the um the apprentice obviously but it's good fun and we've had some really interesting people so with with that and the elevator and my books um it's it's been a really fun time really fun time and I'm really enjoying myself and and still doing still doing deals meeting a lot of interesting people um and we also started a joint venture fund where I invest in other people's deals so they bring me the deal and i'll put in the junior debt and they put very little in and we share the profit 50 50 and they get the, my experience during the project as well and then i've got my seminars which um i don't do that many because i'm really busy but the ones I, I do i really enjoy um and yeah so it's, it's all it's all go it's all go terry okay. very busy
0: sounds like a fair play fair play do you have an end goal <clears throat> not in? really
1: no i think um I don't, it's interesting that perhaps I should have. You just got me thinking now, Terry. Um, I, I'm, I'm a bit like one of those, um, those batteries, you know, you just keep going, you know, so I'm just keeping going. I'm enjoying what I'm doing. You know, I'm enjoying I'm enjoying the fact that, um, I'm meeting a lot of, uh, um, young people who want to, who want to get into property. And if I can help them do so, that's great. I've got two stepdaughters who are now both involved in the business as well. Um, so, so you know that's inspired me as well to to push on a bit more rather than perhaps sit on my laurels uh, to push on and, and and do more deals. So, um, you know, while I'm enjoying it and uh, and I can I can I can make some money <clears throat> and cover my overheads, it's got to be all good, isn't it, Terry? Yeah,
0: you've got to enjoy what you do, man. Love that. Love that. So, do so you have like targets within all the different businesses? or is it let me just pushing forward constantly? Yeah. You, well, you I've you got. Do that at your sort
1: of level. Or? <clears throat> well, yeah, we we well we we try and have some targets. I mean, we also own. Um, I used to own AuctionAsh UK, uh, along with my oh, partner, um, and um, we sold that business um, two or three years ago. But we also part of that was we also ended up owning a country in Norfolk, the estate agencies business All right, yeah. and we've got six offices in norfolk which uh, which do very well um, that's a really good little business of course i i i always said i'd never get back into a estate agency having sold my estate agency <laughs> when i was 24 and here i am uh, we've it's owned definitely. those for 10 years yeah. we i don't get involved in a day-to-day but i don't quite understand terry but i go and see the officers once a month or so if i can once every six weeks mm. and um it's always bacon roll day and it's always my turn to pay, which I don't understand. <laughs> and it's not Greg's. Oh, no, we don't get it from Greg's anymore, John. We get it from the, yeah, the deli up the road. The fancy which is
0: one, yeah. It's twice and the it's
1: price. Always, <laughs> and it's always my turn. Surprise, surprise.
0: <laughs> I bet you there's no sick days on that day. I bet you everybody's in. Nobody's here <laughs> either. <laughs> They've
1: got a very motivated team. I'll give you that. Yeah. <laughs> I love that.
0: Love that. I just love the fact that, you know, it's clearly not money anymore that drives you you know you're operating at a a high level and you're still pushing and you're still because obviously i'm nowhere near where where you are but i've got quite a lot of property and i'm you know i think i'm doing well a lot of people say i'm doing well but then you get what's these like when when do you stop or is or do you stop or when's enough enough but by the sounds of it you know you some people might just not you just always push forward by the sounds of it
1: well, it's interesting. My business partner, who who was with me for thirty odd years, Jeremy Scalswell, he's just retired last year. <clears throat> and he's an accountant, and he said he's had enough of me after thirty years. So there you go. So he's <laughs> so he
0: retired.
1: Yeah, he retired, and I and I've and I've um and I and I've pushed. You know, I'm busier now than ever. Uh, But I'm but I'm you know, I only want to work with nice people. I always have only wanted to work with decent people, honest people. And and I think you do attract that if you're that sort of person yourself. Hopefully you do attract that sort of person. And, um, you know, not everything's going to be a success. um, And everyone needs to accept the fact that, you know, not everything is perfect. Not every, you know, I don't know one development I've done that's gone absolutely perfectly really in any shape and form it just doesn't happen there's challenges along the way the biggest thing you need to do is de-risk de-risk the deal Mm. to start with so know what you're going to do if it goes wrong have a couple of options you know and if the worst scenario if you can live with the the worst scenario then what do you got to worry about if you can live with it Mm. and hopefully you won't get to that worst scenario you'll have the best scenario but you need to be realistic you need to be honest with yourself um and accept the fact that not everything is going to go to plan.
0: Mm. Love that. Okay. That's great advice again. Um, thanks, John. So, so just a couple of uh, questions that have spiralled sure. from what, what we've talked about. Um, wealth of experience, wealth of knowledge. If there was anything you could, if looking back, if there's anything you could mm. do more of, and there's anything mm. you could do less of in your career, what would those two things be?
1: Well, the obvious thing is to say... Uh, to make less mistakes and make more money but that sounds 1980s crass crass, doesn't it and my stepdaughter who's joined me to do my 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 my, um my social media with the elevator show i was doing a promo for that and i and i was going to say i started saying um i can make you rich on it uh, if you come on the show and the deal's good enough, I can I can fund it, make you rich. And my stepdaughter was absolutely horrified. She said, "You cannot say that now, John. This is ni- This isn't 1980 anymore." So Thatcher's <laughs> yeah. child, you know, children or whatever. So anyway. So um. So what was the question again? Oh so, yes, so, if the, you could look uh, back, what yeah.
0: would you do more of and less of?
1: Okay, I would I would buy it. I would have invested more in London.
0: Oh really, London? Yeah.
1: Yeah, without question, yeah. because at the end of the day i didn't invest much in london because i because the money wouldn't have gone very far i had Mm um um, but looking back now and i do some stuff in london now and i'm involved in a couple of um i'm I'm advising i do a bit of consultancy as well which is great so Mm -hmm. i've got i've got a couple of um very nice clients in london very wealthy who uh brought me in to help them on on developments um and that's great fun um and I would have done more in London, I think, to be honest with you. I spread my, I spread the properties, what I did across the UK, really, which has been very interesting. But I think, you know, when I look at some of the people I know who just stuck in London, um, yeah. you know, they've done much better financially than I have, probably. Um, but there we go. So that, yeah. that that's one thing I would have done more of, uh, is... Is buying London. Uh, what's the other question? What was on the, one? What what was would the you other done? one?
0: What would you what would you have done less of? Obviously, no mistakes, but anything specific that
1: I think I think over the years I've been a busy fool. You know, I've spent a lot of time traveling around the country looking at deals, and I think when I look back now, I probably could have been if I was a smart a bit smarter like I am now at looking at deals. You know, most of the stuff I look at, I know I'm going to buy. Mm. Whereas in the old days maybe because I was just enthusiastic. You know, you drive from Ipswich to Darlington to look at a deal, you get out the car and it's rubbish, you drive all the way home again. You know, it's taken a, a long way. And it's <laughs> it's a long way to do it. And I know things have changed. It's a lot easier now with with with, with Google Street Scene, all these other things, you can do a lot of work. But my advice is always, whether it's, especially if it's an auction property, always view the property internally before you decide to buy it always you know some people say oh I'll just it's cheap i will go, you know i always look at it always insider. yeah
0: love that great advice do research up front yeah man love that um so the show's called the rags to riches show um, Yes. what does being rich mean to you because you can be rich in monetary terms assets time relationship loads of different things but what does that when i say that phrase what does that mean to you john
1: I I think it's relative. I think it's totally, utterly relative. And I I know a few people who are are, are properly wealthy. You know, they've got hundreds of millions. Uh, Are they happier than the rest of us? No. Are they paranoid about who their friends are? Yes. (laughs) Is it difficult for their children to have a proper job because they've got so much money and they've got nothing to work for? Yes. So I don't think that is the... I don't think having hundreds of millions is the answer. I think there is a level where... You go from, you know, wanting nice things. You know, most people start off buying, wanting to buy a terrace house. They buy a terrace house, they buy a semi. They buy a semi, they buy a detached. They buy a bigger detached. They go from, they go from wanting to be independent and not need any help from anybody to buying a bloody great place where they need gardeners, housekeepers, all sorts of people. So they actually then need, they're, they're reliant on many, many people to keep their lives going. You know the very rich you know they go to the yacht the yacht's full of staff that they see twice a year or something you know the whole thing gets ridiculous yeah. and i don't think i don't think that's healthy for anyone i think there's a there's a level where you need to be able you need to want to work um you may not want need have to work but you want to work and you want to have that engagement with other people um and that's so important that if you make so much money that you become totally paranoid and everyone just says yes to you. There's no, there's no clarity in anything you do. You can buy anything you want. What's the bloody point? I mean, fortunately, fortunately I'm not, I've never been good enough to get to that position. So I don't need to worry. (laughs)
0: Yeah. You don't want to be there. I I don't really want to be there to be
1: fair, but I'm not nowhere near there, by the way. So, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's a really interesting point though, because some people might be, you know, there's a lot of, Highly ambitious people, right here. They just sure want, they want that yeah. goal that they think they want. Literally, want hundreds and hundreds of millions. Very That's few will right. get there, like you say. But is it really what it what you thinking it is to to get? Then you know some of these people. So obviously, you know, I take your advice on it. I think there was a program on this where where they talked about this, didn't they? it? Was something like the who would want the life of a millionaire, or a billionaire? It was something along along those lines, and it was about this about
1: it becomes
0: a, a quite a hindrance
1: it's it become i i i honestly think it, it, it for these people it, it becomes a massive burden you know you imagine it they don't that the, the whole reason they got wealthy in the first place successful um, has backfired on them because they've got so much money for instance they don't live in the uk they want to live in the uk but they don't live in the uk for tax reasons so they miss So they miss they miss London or they miss the friends they miss this miss the family and they they're spinning around the world because they can't they don't want to live in the UK and pay a load of tax the whole thing you know they didn't make so much money they wouldn't have to pay so much tax would they then they'd live in the UK with their family so it it just gets to a point where it's too everything's too much I think and there is a balance there is definitely a balance and that balance is different for everyone you know some people ambition is to is to is to not have a mortgage on their home which is wonderful other people other people want a lot more than that and that's fine too uh it's how you get there as well and some of the really really successful people are being seriously seriously ruthless to get there that's what obviously you've got to remember yeah quick question for you terry how many people in the uk how many homeowners uh Mm. don't have a mortgage what's the percentage own their property cash.
0: As in it's unencumbered. yeah. Um, unencumbered. A, per- a percentage of the homeowners. I imagine it's, I don't know, 20%? 48%. 48%, is that,
1: is that 48% of people in this country own their own home cash. Wow. That's how wealthy that we are as a country. Amazing, isn't it? Yeah. I know there's lots of people struggling. Wow. I'm not saying they're not. And it's mm. direct, especially at the moment with the energy prices and everything else going up. It's a massive, massive problem. Yeah. Um, and that's why I think the market's going to slow down. It's got to slow. We've had the best start to the year since 2004, residentially. But I think that come third quarter, we're going to be, we're going to be, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough all around. Yeah. Um, yeah. You've got extra taxes. You've got, you've got inflation running at probably, what, 15%. I know they say it's six, but it's only six or seven because of RPI. The RPI covers so many different things, including things like TVs you know you don't go and buy a tv set every year do you? so and th- th- and those tv sets have gone down in value or price all the time so if you take all that stuff out and just have the 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 the, the, the purchases that people need to do every, every you know every month to live that inflation is probably 10 15 20% it's huge mm-hmm. and that's a major problem it's a major problem for any government of course you know you mm-hmm. um, see so you've got inflation interest rates going up um, and all the rest of it so it it's I think we've got a tough I think we've got tough times ahead.
0: Mm. No, fair play. Fair play. You know, massively respect your your opinion on it. Um yeah, you've been around for a few recessions, so I imagine you probably know the, the signals by now.
1: I, I mean, there's there'll be people that disagree and uh, Yeah, it's it is a crystal
0: ball, isn't it? it it's a crystal day, it's
1: yeah. a crystal ball, but I just think yeah. I don't think this year's gonna be a disaster property wise by any means, but I think it's gonna get much, much tougher.
0: Much tougher, yeah. Cool. Okay, thank you so much, John. I've really loved the episode. I've wrote quite a few notes there. I think it's, it's packed with knowledge and lessons and learnings for all the listeners. Um, if anyone does want to reach out to you, if they want to follow you, if they want to reach out for mentorship... and then you, th- and Oh, you know, this they, is my do.
1: big moment, isn't well, it, Terry? This, this, this is, is the plug, get, this is the plug. This is where I get told off. Did you say this? Did you say... No, I didn't know. <laughs> uh, so, so, but that's because, you know, the nice thing about it is because, um, you know, I don't need to so and with these property educators you and some of them you know they're under big pressure they've got to pay the mortgages they they've got to, to, you know, you know yeah. they need to so so i'm not in that position so yes i've got a instagram john howard property i think instagram i've got a youtube channel as well which um hopefully plenty of tips on there and different things um that you can get involved in um uh, and also i do some seminars so i've got a you go to johnhowardproperty.com Um, you go to my website you can you can contact me anytime you want i'm very happy to to uh, take any emails and also um, if you've got a property deal that needs funding and you need some help then please talk to me
0: amazing john thank you so so much it's a pleasure have a great rest of day. likewise thanks john thanks mate
1: thank you